Good morning. Welcome to worship this Lord's Day morning. We are grateful to see everyone here and hope that in this place you experience the love and joy and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful this day for air conditioning. Um, but note that each week this summer, weather permitting, we will worship in the garden. Each week we will also have after worship our time of fellowship in our garden room, which is right next to our garden. So please do make your way there so you may greet one another following our time in worship. And now let us put aside all that may be occupying our hearts and our minds that may be a bit distracting. Let us unite ourselves in our worship of our Lord, for this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please stand as we call ourselves to worship using these words from Psalm 86. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Let us worship the Lord.
Let us pray. Wondrous and amazing God, we come to worship the depth of your love. You embody this compassion for the world, and out of love you created it. We worship you, O Spirit, for the depth of fellowship by, with you, by which you bind us one to another in holy fellowship. And we praise you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the courage to come before you freely, to worship you in spirit and in truth, filled with your grace. And it is through your grace and your goodness that you have taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord is ever ready, more ready to hear our confessions than we are to offer them. But knowing that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is there, let us boldly, in penitence and in faith, approach the throne of grace. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Almighty God, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Deepen within us our sorrow for the wrong we have done and the good we have left undone. Lord, you are full of compassion and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. There is always forgiveness with you. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Bind up that which is broken. Give light to our minds, strength to our wills, and rest to our souls. Speak to each of us, and let your word abide with us until it has wrought in us your holy will. Amen. mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And with that forgiveness, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we were called as members of one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us rise and greet one another in the name of Christ.
Our reading this morning recounts a difficult story from the book of Genesis. Continuing where our passage last week left off, we understand quickly the difficulty of human relationships even in the midst of God's blessing and hope. Let us pray. God of majesty, you who have created all that is, all that ever will be, we pray for your presence among us this day, in this place. Help us to hear your word anew, illuminated and infused by your spirit. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 21. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named after you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went down and sat opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, do not let me look upon the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift him up, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went, filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The word of the Lord.
As with last week, our message this morning is in the style of a narrative, taking its inspiration from Jewish rabbinic stories known as the Midrash. This morning's message features a storyteller and three characters. As I mentioned last week, there are varying meanings of the Hebrew word for laughter. Our story commences with our narrator who provides some background. Long ago, in a land far away, there lived a man and a woman named Abraham and Sarah. Their lives were as any others of that time and place until one day, Abraham was visited by a stranger, the Lord, who told him a tale full of promise and potential. From you will descend a people more numerous than may be counted. Years passed without resolution, leaving Sarah to wonder Perhaps the Lord meant for Abraham to have a son by another. That must be it. So Sarah gave Abraham her slave girl as a wife. Quick as can be, Hagar was with child. And even quicker, Sarah became slight in her eyes. And Sarah knew it. When Sarah complained to Abraham, he washed his hands of the matter, saying, Look, your slave girl is in your hands. Do to her whatever you think is right. A campaign of harassment commenced. It was all too much for the young pregnant girl, so Hagar ran away, far into the wilderness, until she spied a spring of water. It was there that the Lord's messenger found her and reassured her, Return home, Hagar, even though there you will suffer. For the Lord has heard you and will make of your son a great nation. Hagar believed and went back, and in due time gave birth to her son, Ishmael. Another 13 years went by before Sarah conceived, and in her own due time gave birth to the long-awaited heir, Isaac, the one who brought laughter leading Sarah to whisper a prophecy moments after his arrival. Laughter has God made me. Whoever hears will laugh at me. A prediction Sarah remembered every moment of every day of every year she nursed her son with her ancient body. Indeed, every time she perceived mockery, scorn, ridicule on the faces gathered around her. An oracle which led Sarah to make yet another fateful decision the day Isaac was weaned. We turn to Abraham to pick up the story here. I can't defend what I did, but that Sarah, she always lets it get to her, doesn't she? One would think that Isaac would be enough, that I would be enough. But no, so when she saw Ishmael laughing during our celebration, well, that was supposed to be Isaac's role, no? I guess she thought that was the beginning of the end of God's covenant with her son. That somehow Hagar's boy would be the sole ancestor of the great nation promised by the Lord. I could only shake my head. There was no arguing with her. Only Sarah would believe that playing with someone was an effort to displace them. 
Only Sarah would reason there was not enough inheritance for the two of them. Only Sarah would declare that one had to go, and that one wasn't he who laughs. It was all such needless trauma. As one could imagine, I could not sleep. I could not eat. I could barely manage to breathe, such was my pain at the thought of something so horrific. How could I live with myself after? How could I live with Sarah then? How could I look upon Isaac as before? I could only thrash about night after night knowing there would be no peace until the two who made Sarah so unhappy were far away. Her request, her demand, shattered me. I did not know what to do. It was then, during one of my more restless nights, that the Lord showed up, perhaps in my dreams, and spoke words even more startling than the promise of progeny. Let it not seem evil in your eyes on account of the lad and on account of your slave girl. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her voice. For through Isaac shall your seed be acclaimed. But the slave girl's son too, I will make a nation, for he is your seed. Heart heavy and so, so weary, I got up before the dawn so I could gather what I could, what wouldn't be missed. Some bread, some water left in my tent. Also, I wouldn't disturb the rest of the household, so I wouldn't run into Sarah. I could not manage any more of her unhappiness, not that day. When all was made ready, I pushed open the tent flap, walked to Hagar's tent, and took a deep breath. I leaned into hope. Perhaps they would find a caravan to join. Perhaps they would be all right. Perhaps I would be all right. Perhaps the Lord would have mercy on me, on them. I called out her name softly. Hagar heard and adds to the narrative her story. I recall hearing the sound, some kind of rustling or movement outside, a voice. My name? Who could it be? It was so early. I struggled to clear my head. Oh, Abraham, why was he here? What could he want? I remember walking outside, seeing his face. Such a strange expression. Grief? Horror? Shame? And the way he was hunched over, was he trying to make himself smaller? Was he trying to disappear? And then, as fast as lightning flashes, I knew. Abraham explained nothing. He only asked me to call my boy to bring him outside, too. I ducked back into the tent, shook Ishmael awake, and said, it is time 
The two of us stood before the boy's father, my husband, waiting. Without a further word, he handed me a bundle of bread, a skin of water, and motioned, go. And so we left, turning back only once to see Abraham weeping. We did not know which direction to travel. We did not know how we would live. We did not know what one moment to the next would hold. We only knew to walk where our feet pointed, hoping something, someone, would help us survive the wilderness. We saw nothing. We saw no one except the sun as it continued to rise till it was high in the sky when the heat turns to a shimmer, when the earth begins to bake. We were at a loss. How had this happened? Why was this happening? What is going to happen? Our questions tormented us, our confusion engulfed us, our fury overwhelmed us. What had we done to deserve this? What had we done at all? The silence within us, around us, threatened to undo us. We thought we need to be careful with what we have, for we have so little, and there is so little around us. Though he objected, I gave my boy, he who is growing so fast, so tall, more than I took. He is now a young man, and I am merely a woman, I reckoned. And then, too soon, our rations were gone. My despair overtook me. Now all that was left was to wait to die. So I told my beautiful, tender-hearted son to sit under the only shade around, a measly bush, barely large enough to cover him, and walked away. Any hope I had left was gone. All I could whisper was, may the Lord have mercy on me, on him. Ishmael's remembrance of that fateful day begins under a shady tree. I remember being so thirsty and so tired. It was so hot. The sky was so blue. There was never a cloud. It would be a beautiful day any other day, I suppose, if we still had our tents to block the blazing sun if we still had water. I lay down. The sadness and bewilderment of it all was the most exhausting part. What to do now other than cease breathing? Any hope we had disappeared with the little food and water my father gave us. Now there was nothing except an endless wasteland. Nothing except the sound of my poor mother sitting so far away, wailing over me, over us, 
over all of this that was so unnecessary. Have you heard the sound of a broken heart? It reaches deep inside you, refusing to leave until your heart is shattered too. Which is why I began to cry as well. Quietly at first, then louder until our sorrow formed one anguished lament. For minutes, hours, days, I couldn't tell. Time no longer had meaning. Life no longer had meaning. On and on, I sobbed until I was lost in my own inner gloom. And then out of the blue, the crash of thunder, shaking me back to my senses. Was a storm nearby? How would we survive a downpour? But the sky was clear, so what could it be? And then I heard it, a voice but not like any human speech I have encountered, more like a song that sparkled, reassuring you with a comfort that filled you with strength and belief. My mother's wailing quieted. I looked over to see if she heard the voice too. Her head was tilted, eyes wide. She was listening. It was then that the voice whispered with the rumble of a tempest calling out to my mother, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the lad's voice where he is. And then with a booming so loud that the animals around us scattered, the voice commanded, rise, lift up the lad and hold him by the hand, for a great nation will I make him. God has heard my voice. God knows me. I thought the Lord was the God of Abraham, of Isaac. I thought my name, Ishmael, was meant to reassure my mother that God heard her the last time she was lost in the wilderness. But this voice, this voice is for me. This voice is for me. The resounding voice vanished as fast as it arrived, but in its wake I heard reverberating across the valley the declaration of God's promises, the reminder of God's order. Remember, God hears your cries. God knows your suffering. God provides for your needs. Lay down your rage and your humiliation and your perplexity, for you belong to me. For the Lord is greater than any brokenness within you or, or around you. For the promise remains, the promise remains. The promise remains, but what about right now? Was my mother all right? What was she thinking? 
I turned to look, but she was walking straight to a spring flowing with water. How did we miss it? She filled the empty skin, drank some water, and then filled it again, bringing water to me so I could have some as well. Then with such a tender expression on her face, she took my hand and led me to the spring where we could rest, where we just looked at each other, smiling. We stayed until we nearly drank the stream dry, and then we set out, asking God to guide and guard us wherever we went, wherever we were meant to dwell. Endeavoring with each step, each breath, to leave behind our anger and heartbreak and doubt as the Lord filled us with mercy for ourselves, for my father, for my half-brother, for my half-brother's mother. And in our most desperate moments, when we were tempted to despair, the brilliant echo returned, surrounding and carrying and reminding us, fear not, for God has listened. God has heard you crying in the night. God knows your troubles better than you do. And God will provide for you in God's time and in God's way, always. In that you may trust, in that you may hope, and in that you may know God's mercy. Amen and amen and amen. As Abraham and Sarah boldly responded to God's call, let us rise and boldly confess what it is that we believe before God and one another. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
may be seated. The Lord be with you. This week, as we enter into a time of prayer, let us be mindful of the suffering and sorrow in our world, particularly those hundreds of people lost at sea, the migrants who are trying to reach a better life from Libya en route to Italy. We also pray for peace in our world, in Ukraine, and particularly in the African continent, and also for those who are mourning the loss of those whose lives were lost in the submersible. We know that there's a connection here in New York City. Let's pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we give praise to you for all you are, all you have done. For who is like you among the stars below the seas? Wherever we are, you are there. Whatever happens to us, you are aware. However we choose to live, choose to be, you remain with us. You rejoice with us when we are glad. You sorrow with us when we are brokenhearted. You meet us in our needs. You provide for us in our wants. You hear us in our despair. You see us in our brokenness. You promise to make us whole, even when we thought we were whole all along, when we thought that that was up to us. You remind us again and again that it is only by your providence we are safe, only by your sacrifice we are saved, only by your spirit we are sanctified. Hear us now as you have heard so many voices, felt so much anguish for so many generations. And be with those who need you this very moment around our world. For you are loving, you are kind, you are filled to overflowing with mercy. We pray this in the name of the one whose name is above all names. Amen. God has freely given to us through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. All that we have belongs to the Lord. Let us now return a portion of that in this morning's tithes and offerings. You may be seated.
Let us pray. Eternal God, all that we have is a gift from you. What we have shared this morning's is a portion, a token, a sign of our commitment to your ways and to your grace. We ask that through your Spirit's power we use these resources to further your kingdom and to bring your good news to the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus the Christ, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Amen.
seated. John Piper, Baptist pastor and teacher, wrote this. Darkness comes. In the middle of it, the future looks blank. The temptation to quit is huge. Don't. You are in good company. You will argue with yourself that there is no way forward, but with God, nothing is impossible. He has more ropes and ladders and tunnels out of pits than you can conceive. Wait. Pray without ceasing. Hope. My friends, there may be times when we are sure the pit is too deep, the way forward too obscured, the gifts we have been given too insufficient to live well or as God has intended. We need not fear, for God is always working, always protecting, always calling, always providing. Let us go now and live as if we believe it. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and always. Amen.